the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. Hi, this is Denny O'Neill. My name is Neil Adams. And this is Paul Dini. Hi, my name is Dan DeDio. This is Kevin Conroy. Hey, this is Francis Maniple. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 216. I am your host, Dustin, and today I have with me... This is Ed. And it's Stella. And we are bringing you the latest comic news and comic book reviews from the weeks of January 15th through January 28th. We have a total of two books to cover, just a little bit of news, um, and then a bunch of listener Q&As later on in the episode. So let's just jump into the news. So the big news over the past couple of weeks was there was two new series that were announced uh, first off, uh, Injustice 2 will be getting a prequel comic series that's going to be launching in April. DC announced this prior to the solicitations officially being released. Um, n- n- nothing huge newsworthy out of this. If you have read the Injustice books, if you're still reading the Injustice books because there's currently a digital series called Injustice Ground Zero right now. Um, the Injustice two prequel comic series is starting in April. Tom Taylor is going to be coming back to the series and the art is going to be done at least for the beginning by Bruno Redondo. So uh, that is who you can look forward to for injustice Two. This this injustice series, man, people must love this because it never seems like it's ever going to die. It's like the series that will go on forever. I mean, literally they, the, the first series went on for, I think five, five years, five years, but I don't think it actually was five years long. I feel like they just did five different volumes, but it was pretty close. I mean, there was a big chunk of time in between injustice and injustice too. So each, each year, um, quote, I'm air quoting again, each year had two graphic novels, just like a year's worth of Batman or something. So like, if you have, yeah, so like the graphic, the trades are like volume one, volume two for each year. So that's a lot. All right. And then the other new, series that was announced is that uh, DC announced that Batman is going to be having a new crossover series this time with the shadow. Now it's not Batman 66. It's actually just Batman um, and the shadow uh, DC is going to be teaming up with dynamite who they've previously teamed up in the past, specifically with uh, more re- recently with Batman 66 and meets the green Hornet. Um, it's going to be a six issue miniseries. The full solicitation says two of history's greatest vigilantes are reunited at last. Murder has come to Gotham city and Lamont Cranston appears to be the culprit, but he's been dead for over 50 years. Batman will go to the ends of the earth to unravel the mystery of Cranston's life. But the mysterious shadow will do everything in his power to stop him from learning too much. The superstar team of writers Scott Snyder and Steve Orlando and artist Riley Rossimo brings you a dark and twisty modern noir like nothing you've ever seen before. The brand new villain, unlike any either hero has ever, ever faced. This is an unmissable crime series of 2017, so get on board now. Um, so obviously, as as mentioned, Scott Snyder is going to be doing this book with Steve Orlando. Um, I have to wonder how much of the work is going to be done by Scott Snyder or by Steve Orlando, because it's weird that they have two writers doing this and both writers are from DC. Sometimes in the past, we've seen two writers like specifically or more recently, that is Batman 66 meets Wonder Woman has Jeff Parker and Mark and Draco, but each one of them have previously worked 
individually on each property before um, Jeff Parker on Batman 66 and Mark and Draco on Bat- Wonder Woman 77. So it's weird to see two writers working on a series together, especially of as high of names as, as both of them. Um, it just is reminiscent of Scott Snyder's name being on so many books in the new 52. Yeah, but I think this one might be different. He's mentioned the shadow before in some of his interviews, right? I think he likes the shadow. I think he likes that kind of vigilante noir type stuff. I think if he wrote something called, um, I think it was Iron Man noir for Marvel way back when he first started writing. I think the shadow was something he talked about being his influence that. So this could be interesting. Um, I'm going to read it. Surprise, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, the same day that the, that crossover was officially announced, uh, we also had word that uh, the solicitations for April came out. Now, not that there was anything really super news. We already knew about the button, which is probably the biggest news out of the solicitations um, because we, we've previously already knew about that. Um, and we talked about it last episode. That's going to be taking place at the end of April and early May. Um, as far as some other story highlights here and there, um, Harley Quinn actually is going to, we, we see that Harley Sin makes a return and, uh, we see that, uh, Paul Dini is going to be doing, he's going to be help co-writing the series, um, in an interesting story called Harley loves Joker. We'll have to be seeing dual Harley Quinns in the series for a while. I'm having a feeling this has to do with the fact that because the book is bi-weekly, the art has uh, finally caught up where they're now going to start splitting the, the individual issues into two stories to kind of loo- uh, loosen the load, per se. I wonder if one of them will be more like I, I, I don't think this is official or anything, but Harley Quinn has always kind of felt like it's out of continuity. Just, you know, the way Palmiotti and, and, and Amanda Connor, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's so like out in left field. It's enjoyable, but it's always been it's, I've always felt like it's continuity free and that the continuity book is for Harley Quinn is suicide squad. So I wonder if Deanie's will, you know what I'm saying? Will it feel more like it's part of the universe? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how they play that out. Now, the other real interesting thing that I wanted to take a minute to discuss was the fact that uh, there's going to be some price changes coming to the books come uh, April. Now, as we all know, when uh, the rebirth started, everything was priced at two ninety nine. That was a main DC Rebirth series. That meant monthly, bi weekly. All of it was two ninety nine. Um, as it turns out, though, there was some books that then they released in. Well, all of the Hanna Barbera stuff that was releasing prior to the launch of Rebirth, all that stuff was three ninety nine. Any mini series that was still releasing was three ninety nine, and coincidentally, All Star Batman for whatever reason was also three ninety nine. Now, as it turns out, starting in April, anything that is a bi-monthly book, which for the Batman books includes All-Star Batman, Batgirl, Batgirl, Birds of Prey, Batman Beyond, Batwoman, Red Hood and the Outlaws, Super Sons, Teen Titans and Titans, as well as Trinity, all of those books are going to be jumping up in price to $3.99. Now, their reasoning behind this is that all of those books will not only include, obviously, the print version that you're going to be purchasing, but we'll also have a code inside the book for you to purchase or not to purchase, but to apply towards a digital version of the, the same comic. Um, it's just going to be included in the price. That's what you're going to get for three ninety nine. There is not a two ninety nine option anymore it, for those books. So is the three ninety nine 
comes with a digital copy, basically, what you're telling me? Yes. Basically, we're going to charge an extra dollar, and you're going to get a digital copy. Now, the, the I've been reading a lot of articles about the price changes and things like that, and people have complained and people have submitted other ideas, not that it's going to matter because this is already happening. But one of the better ideas that I heard was why didn't they just stay at the two ninety nine price point, put a small insert in the book saying for an extra dollar more, you can go buy this book digitally because you purchased the print copy rather than just having to make everybody pay an extra dollar. Now here is the question of the year. And I have no idea what the answer will be. What's this comic going to cost on Comicsology? Well, that's nobody actually knows that price yet. See what I'm saying? Now, like the thing is, some people have said that we're all hypothesizing because no one's going to know the answer until April rolls around. Because Comicsology doesn't put stuff that far in advance. Uh, you know, they don't put right. their stuff that far in advance out there. So the thing is, if the comics end up being two ninety nine still on Comicsology, great. But if they charge three ninety nine, then it's going to be a big head scratcher, and everyone's going to be like thinking, "What is that? What are they trying to do here?" So, well, but, but I mean, it has to be right. Like, if you're paying two ninety nine for the comic plus the digital, well, the problem is they're just looking for a way to get an extra dollar. Get a buck. That's what yeah. it is. The digital copies there, you know, like it's just like a digital movie. It's there regardless of whether you want it or not. I mean, I have started to switch everything over to digital when it comes to movies because it's just it takes up a heck of a lot less space, obviously. Everything's just in the cloud. But when it comes to comics, you know, I've been a little bit slower to, you know, completely switching over, mostly because if I'm not if I, why would I want to pay two ninety nine for a physical copy or a, 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 a digital copy of a comic? And then not to mention if you just wait in that, uh, a month or two, the prices drop. You know, it goes down to like a dollar ninety nine in Comicsology after I think three months. So, I mean, you can just wait for the trade at that point. Yeah, yeah, at that point, you can just wait for the trade because now they're trying to get trades out within six months. So, it's one of those things where you know, like I understand what they're doing; they're trying to get more money. But the thing is, I feel like this could actually end up harming some of these books because not necessarily the books that are related to the TBU, but like you know, Hellblazer had a series in the New Fifty Two. It didn't end up. Not that I remember. I don't think it lasted all the way to the end of the New Fifty Two. I want to say, changed it. yeah, it started off with they called it Constantine, and then they relaunched it to Constantine the Hellblazer, and that one did carry through to the end. Okay, but there was a gap between Constantine and Constantine the Hellblazer. Of like, don't quote me on this. I think eight months, so it did not run the whole gambit. Yeah, it's just strange because, like, the same thing. Like, I'm looking at just the list of the books that are going to be three ninety nine, and I can see certain books, and I'm sitting here thinking, like, Superwoman. I don't know, like, that hasn't been super popular as of right well, now. See, the, all the bi monthly books are the super are the bread and butter books: Green Lantern, Batman, right. Flash, right? and those are the ones that have been selling very well. I think you'd be more likely to get the extra buck on Batman or Detective. Well, but there'd be more people who'd be mad about sons. that, though. That's the problem. Yeah, but I mean, people who are going to be like, now you want me to pay an extra two dollars a month compared to just the one. I mean, it's only a matter of time before those, yeah, those other, you know, the biweekly books go up in price too. But I could see this um, really hurting some of those middle of the. Think about if it's a middle of the road book, and you're grabbing uh, whatever Cyborg or Superwoman, right? And you're like, eh, you know, it's okay, but I don't think there's a huge groundswell of people that Superwoman is their favorite character. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
this might be the, the, the straw that makes it go from whatever, 40,000, 30,000, 20,000 copies to 10. That could be the death of the book. So I don't know if they've thought this one all the way through. Not that DC Comics would ever do anything without thinking it all the way through, but it seems to be possible. Yeah, it's entirely possible because out of all the books, like, yeah, like you said, the bread and butter is the books that they're keeping at the lower price, which is great for those. They'll continue to sell as many copies as they have. But isn't the whole idea of having these other books, you know, a lot of the, let's say, the the minority type books, specifically, like, you know, main characters are minority. Blue Blue Beetle, Cyborg, uh, Batwoman, these books have some sort of minority character in, you know, as, as one of the main characters in the titles, why would you make those books, the books that go up in price? I mean, like, yeah, I don't know. It, it's because it's backwards. Cause what, what we've always seen in the past is like Batman is three ninety nine. Remember when yeah. Snyder had to have a big, no, 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 we're not going to make them five bucks. We're going to right? like, we've always seen the, them try to make popular ones. This is the first time I think I've ever seen them make a move to make the less popular books more money. So, yeah, interesting way to do it, boys. All right. So that is basically all the news. The solicitations, there, as far as the rest of the books, I mean, there's no cancellations or anything that's happening like that. So nothing's, nothing's changing. All new stories or all new issues, I should say, involving stories. So... Um, so yeah, so let's move on from that. So we're going to jump straight into our comic reviews. And the first one we've got is Batman. Batman number 15, Rooftops Part 2 of 2, script Tom King, pencils, inks, and colors Mitch Gerards. Uh So... After their wonderful special time on top of the roof, instead of lighting a cigarette as they, um, you know, as some couples in the 50s and 60s films did, uh, they actually debate how they first met each other, which, uh, while I'm not completely versed in, um, you know, Batman and Catwoman mythology, I feel like actually connects back to original Batman and Catwoman, but maybe someone else could uh, let me know about that. Uh, they get dressed, and then she, after saying, I love you and I love you, uh, she jumps off the roof, as, you know, we all expect Batman <laughs> goes after her, but she's gone. So then he basically goes on his little magic mystery tour in order to find her. He needs to look up information about Holly Robinson. And so he surprises a half-naked and soliloquizing <laughs> or soliloquine. Jim Gordon, who's talking about he smoked too much. So apparently he's let himself go since he was Batman. And he was telling him how he needs to know about uh, this girl named Holly Robinson, who was also in the Wayne house and just needs information. So he actually finds Holly Robinson and she doesn't want to say anything to him. But then he convinces her, we think, that he's on Catwoman's side and. We think that she's going to get a burner phone that Selena gave her, but in fact, she pulls out a knife and slap, which I'm surprised, I guess, that his cowl is not more uh, armored than that, especially because that's one of the vulnerable. So he's bleeding out, and uh, there's some great panels there, especially the one that's like a dizzying kind of vertigo. And he falls from a height from the apartment, and... Selena, a.k.a. Catwoman, catches him 
and uh, she reflects back to something else she said at the beginning of this issue about how she he's upside down in his thinking because all of a sudden um, <laughs> she caught him and originally she jumped off the roof for him to catch her. And so we actually learn that Holly Robinson was the one who the 237. Um, she took a liking to Holly and she taught her everything she knew. And then after that happened, the orphanage and everything, she just sort of broke and, and learned or t- used everything that Selena taught her to kill those people. And so basically we find out that Selena is trying to take the fall for her because you can see how much that Selena cares for her. And so she ends up basically doing that. Oh, she's going to be uh, in jail now and, and take the fall and everything. And uh, at the very end, uh, Batman is in the cave with Alfred and he's saying that she stole it. And there's kind of a funny moment because Alfred says, you know, I checked everything, you know, everything's all here. And he said the night, Alfred, the night she stole the night. Next up, I am Bane. Uh, So my first question is about Holly Robinson. She hasn't been around, I would say, for a little while. Uh, I could be wrong because I wasn't really reading Catwoman after – Genevieve Valentine uh, left. Um, but here we have, at first we thought it was just a pseudonym for Selena Kyle and that she was just using that name, but we find out that this is actually uh, a character and she's she's being revisited. So uh, what do you think about this uh, resurfacing of Holly Robinson and also the fact, uh, well, I guess what we learn about her, it's not too much, but her relationship with Selena and then the fact that she was the one that actually killed the 237 and Selena's taking the fall for her. Well, I think we predicted that she, that Selena was taking the fall for somebody. I I know. I was desperately hoping. Maybe yeah, I, mean, I, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think we we're also yeah. hoping gratefully that that was the case. Um, I didn't see that it would be Holly Robinson, but honestly, it makes a lot of sense given the fact that she hasn't been present. Holly Robinson, I don't think, has actually been in the comics since Countdown. Yeah, Countdown. I think is the last time yeah. we saw her. So it's been a long time since she's even appeared or been referenced. So a lot of people who may have even come on board with the new 52 or now with rebirth have no, even who have no idea who the character is um, because it's been such a long time since the character was last seen. But I, I, I will say this. Okay. I like the idea that one Catwoman is not, she's just, she's not the one who killed all these people. I'm very grateful of that. I mean, if it didn't turn out like that, I think a lot of people would have been very upset um, including myself, because I don't see her as that type of person. I do, however, see her as the type of person who would take the fall for somebody, especially a close friend like Holly Robinson. Um, that makes sense. Now, the thing the, the, the thing that's slightly interesting is that if you look at, uh, if, I, if I remember correctly, The Dark Knight Rises, we had Selena Kyle, Catwoman, her friend who was played by Juno Temple was supposed to be Holly Robinson. It was very mm-hmm. similar. Like I, I got a very Dark Knight Rises vibe when they were referring to the relationship between Holly Robinson and Selena Kyle in this comic compared to their previous incarnations or even 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 further back to uh, Batman Year One um, with Holly Robinson and Selena Kyle having that relationship in that story as well. Um, so... I, I like the fact that one, they've brought the character back Two, Batman realizes that, you know, she's not the one who did all these murders, even though she kept saying she was, she didn't want to give up her friend. She didn't want even Batman to know, even though we know how close they are just based off these two, these two issues. So 
overall, I think that, you know, it's, it's good that, she, that Holly Robinson was brought back in continuity. She's not going to play a huge role, obviously, probably. I mean, I don't see how she would, but I don't, you know, she's not going to be playing a huge role. She's just, she's a character that's existing. You know, they're making it, making everyone know that, you know, she exists and she's the reasoning behind these murders that Selena's taking the fall for. So I think it works. Yeah, no, I think it's good. I mean, the thing about Holly was Catwoman was as after Infinite Crisis and one year later, I think Holly was Catwoman for a while. Um, but yeah, I mean, she hasn't been around in a long time. Um, I, I kind of like this. It's it's using an old character, bringing a character back into modern continuity is better than just making up whatever name. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's let's use a character from the past. So now we have in this new rebirth universe, Holly Robinson's a part of it. Is she an integral part? Like Dustin was saying, we're we're going to have, you know, is she going to be, are we going to be reading about her 12 out of 12 issues? No, but she doesn't need to be either. Um, It does resolve the problem with Selena being a mass murderer, which I might be very quick just to nod my head and go, yeah, this works, this works great because I really wanted it to work and it does seem to work. Uh, But Holly's back. And I, I think we could have, you know, Catwoman, for a long time was either part of the Gotham city sirens book or with Bruder Baker and the new 52. She had her own story for a long time. Um, maybe her going after Holly or her rehabbing Holly or whatever could form the basis of a Catwoman ongoing, which, you know, we're at the point now with rebirth where it's not going to be two more months before we see some cancellations and some new solicits out there. So maybe if Catwoman is to get a book back, this could be a good way to have an organic first arc. We'd all care about. I was, um, I guess like 50-50, you know, surprised and not surprised to see her. I found it, I thought it was interesting, like maybe a little teaser or could it just been an Easter egg, the fact that that apartment was being subletted by, you know, someone named Holly Robinson. I thought, oh, how nice. <laughs> but then when it turned out, you know, that she was actually in existence, I thought, oh, this is really interesting. And I thought like everything was sort of fitting into the what I expect Holly to be like until she pulled the knife and slashed his throat. Um, because I guess I, I perhaps I'm not reading the right things, but I sort of always I- imagine her as Selena, you just hit Stan, you know, uh, from Batman year one and just kind of being like a, a dorky sidekick. Um, maybe someone learning the ropes, but learning the ropes to hustle other people, not necessarily to kill somebody. Um, but I think they get it right, you know, the relationship between Selena and Holly. It's just the violence that I, I, I wasn't expecting. But it is interesting to see her. I hope that she plays more of a part. I mean, she's on an airplane when we see her flee the country, obviously. Uh, but it'd be interesting, you know, if Catwoman is away, could they potentially have um, a revitalized uh Catwoman book and and have Holly, but she'd actually be a villain potentially. Uh, that'd be interesting. But I guess we played with uh, another an alternate Catwoman already with um what was her name like Kamiko or oh I can't remember. Oh, you know what that, I'm talking that, about. That thing. That, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. yep. Um, to be honest, that was uh that was all I had. Um, but we're at all put off by sort of how weak Batman seemed to be like the fact that he was caught off guard, which I guess, you know, it's a, this girl, she, he probably underestimated her with cough, cough, Barbara Gordon is not the first time, but just the fact that like, he's basically down and out the entire issue. Well, I mean the back half of the issue and Catwoman's the one that's safe. Now. I mean, do you have any thoughts about how he is, uh, what happens to him in this issue? 
or do you just feel like it, it needed to and that's fine with the story? You know, if I had to, if I was sitting here looking at this issue compared to the last issue, I think the last issue like furthered their relationship, like their individual relationship. This just furthers the overall story. Um, and I think that the way he's portrayed in this issue, it just kind of has to happen. Um, I don't know if if somebody could actually get the the jump on him like like uh, like happened, but for me, I feel like this is just a way for them to further the story to move along without having to like step on what's going on. I feel like the last issue was really just about Batman and Catwoman, and this is about Batman and Catwoman, but it's also you know furthering Tom King's overall story. Yeah, I mean, plus let's face it, like. His of all the nights where Batman's mind might be somewhere else, this might be the night. After what we've seen him and Selena have this really close encounter, um, his mind could be somewhere else. So I'll I'll, I'll forgive him for it. Uh, yeah. Um, well, the underestimating, I think. But again, I just feel like uh, Batman of all people. I mean, I sort of envision. I know there are a couple films that do this. That like in training sequences, uh, there's like a dummy there, and they're like a dummy, not a dumb person, a dummy there. And then the the, the sensei is teaching his disciple like what um <laughs> you know where the the weak points are, and like where's a good kill or where's a good maiming. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of Spartacus actually. That that. Hmm. Because I remember the the guy, uh, which would have been the manager, was like ma- marking with chalk, like this would be a kill. This isn't. But anyways, but the throat is is a. Um, and I just read Call of the Wild, and there are so many throat like ripping out scenes. But the throat is a vulnerable place that you'd think if his cowl is probably protected from concussions and things like that, that that would also be. So I guess I was just very taken aback that like he could have potentially just bled out right there uh, with, with what it looked like. Um, And I mean, it could have been the knife, but it just seems strange to me, Uh, but that's all I have there. All right. So Batman, I'm going to give a total of four out of five. I'm going to give it four out of five and to latch onto something that Stella said earlier. If you were wondering it was what they were. The two different origins was Batman number one from 1940 oh. uh-huh. and Batman year one was the two they were showing. Oh, so it was, it was okay. Batman number one from way back in the day. And, and I have to say that I thought that was incredibly clever. So I'll definitely, it was, get, it was very cool. So I'll definitely get a four out of five. Absolutely. I felt like it had importance. I felt like it was because especially the art differentiation and when when you have like the the one with cat, uh, the Batman one where he was saying like, you were an old woman. I was like, that looks, you know, like, is that from like an original? Yeah, that was a great touch. I'm going to give it 4.5 out of 5. All right. And over on the website, Matthew gave it five. So that's going to give Batman a total of four and a half out of five batterings. Let's move into our next book, Detective Comics. Detective Comics number 949, written by James Tynion IV and Margaret Bennett, uh, art by Ben Oliver. Um, we start off Gotham City two years ago. We see uh, Kate eating a bowl of noodles. She's kind of basically studying Batman's fighting methods uh, to get a better understanding of how he does what he does. When Batman actually approaches her while she's, she's down, she ends up throwing her noodles at him, shooting them in the leg. um, And then she realizes, wait, it's Batman. And he, and he demands to know what exactly she's doing, why she's hunting him. And he, she explains that she works for herself. 
Um, as uh, this all happens, we see this entire conversation that's been happening was actually watched by uh, Jacob Kane and uh, Colony Prime. Um, and Colony Prime does not agree with the idea of, of uh, Kate being a soldier uh, or doesn't agree with her being a superhero, but rather her being a soldier is the, the, better, the better way to go about doing it. In the present, uh, Prime has taken control of the Belfry and fights both Batman and Batwoman. He appears to take down Kate and tells her the base will do his work for him. He communicates with Jacob Kane by radio and takes down Batman in the brig. However, he realizes too late that he's ended up in the mudroom and Kate uses many duplicates of herself to subdue him. Outclass Prime flees but is stopped by Batman. He delivers a message to Jacob that the many arms of death hold a new weapon and the colony is losing the eastern front. Then uses the venom to make himself into a monster and escapes. Kate reveals that she deduced Bruce's identity when he limped after she shot him in the leg, um, and she maintained her own mission of ending war instead of Batman's of ending crime. Later, speaking to Jacob, father and daughter negotiate a painful truce. Jacob knows that he cannot ask to be released, as it will destroy his already very tenuous relationship with Kate, so he agrees to help her stop the sale of monster venom on the condition that he gives information only to Kate. This was the end of the basically the Batwoman Begins two-part story arc. Um, we get a little bit more of Colony Prime. So he, so I want to talk about Colony Prime first. We see that he he goes back as far back as the beginning of Batwoman. Obviously, it ties in perfectly because the name of the story arc is Batwoman Begins. So Colony Prime has been involved with Jacob Kane, and it's kind of like in some ways, Jacob Kane is supporting everything that his daughter wants to do by becoming Batwoman. But at the same time, he has the colony at the same time. Colony Prime's kind of like the mirrored version of what he would he would want, but he supports Kate in her decision. But he, what he would really want is for her to be someone like Colony Prime. Thoughts on the the you know Colony Prime as a character. Clearly, the fact that he escapes leads us to believe that he will also end up reappearing down the line in the Batwoman series. Otherwise, he would have just been taken down. Um, thoughts on Colony Prime? Well, I think this is like we talked about last last month with Doctor October and all that. I think this is starting some world building for Kate's book, right? Like everyone, every let's face it, every book needs a villain. Every comic book absolutely needs a villain. So she's going to need this this kind of person, I think, with the connections with Colony Prime to to Jake and to her. Um, I think it, I find the villain to be interesting. I, I mean, I think we could be have something here where, you know, I think you could see some allegiances to Jake, and we're, I'm sure we're going to have this intrigue thing going on where whose side is Jake really on, and and hopefully he'll kind of get his you know his head turned around and and be there for her his daughter when when she needs him. So, uh, but yeah, it could be interesting. But I, I think it's fine, and I think that two issues did exactly what they were supposed to do. give us enough of a world that we can go into Batwoman and have some stuff to finish to them. Yeah. And I think you're right, Dustin, how you were, I guess you were getting at this idea of like opposites and um, polarities there. Yeah. And, I mean, just like with Batman, you know, you had the Joker and I think any good hero that potentially we're reading, there's always someone I think that you go back to and, and someone that's intriguing to you and works well, like is compatible and has chemistry with the heroes because there are similarities or it's contrast enough that um, 
it, it comes around to similarities. And I think clearly, you know, as Ed said, Jake being that common ground, I think is one thing. Um, and I think Jake sort of having these almost like two children I was then I had to stop and think could this be Beth but I don't think so um <laughs> these two you know quote-unquote children um but raising them in different ways and uh, they're not really children hopefully you understand what I'm saying here but raising them in different ways with different sort of a similar mission but the the means to the end is uh different for or are different for both of them uh which I I think is interesting uh i i kind of liked it better when he was depowered um because i think it puts him on the level of kate and it evenly matches them of course he has a suit and everything but i think she has um enough brain and sense and uh ability to to team up to match up with him but now he's sort of turned into a monster and so he's like almost turned into the bane aspect of it and so i wonder how that will transform um and if they're as compatible or or if we sort of lost something when he ended up doing that but yeah absolutely i mean when people flee um you know it's it's sort of the thing like unless we find a body uh you can expect them to either still be alive like the joker or um, <laughs> return somewhere. And so I, I think this is certainly, uh, as, as it was saying, world building. And, you know, he's not as, I think, intriguing as as other uh, villains for Kate, but I think this will, this will be an interesting guy, and, and I'll, I, I would like to see how it continues from here, especially um, will he still follow commands or will he just be sort of his own lone soldier? Yeah, and I think for me, it just comes down to, like you were saying, the polarity, but you said it a heck of a lot better than I did. Um, it, it just comes down to the fact that, you know, like he is, like you said, he's kind of like a child because he's very close to Jacob Kane, obviously. And he's is a different version of what Jacob would want because he's the soldier. He's not the superhero. She wants to be the superhero. She wants to, you know, and to a degree, follow in the footsteps of Batman and, and, you know, use that idea of the bat to become a, you know, a force for good. While Jacob is more on the lines of the military, the soldier, that kind of stuff, but he's still supporting her. Um, so the other thing I want to talk about is the, the, the ending where we t- where Jacob is basically, he agrees to help her. We see them talking. I th- I'm pretty sure this is the first time they've had any words ever since he's been put in the in the brig down at the, you know, in the basement of the Belfry, the idea that we're getting to a point where he is going to basically, I don't know if they're, they're hinting at that. He's going to be a double agent because he can't really be a double agent if he's still locked up, but he clearly does not want to continue to be locked up, but it doesn't, it seem like there's kind of a plan going on where he's trying to gain his trust, her trust slowly. And the goal is to get released because there's also there has to be something involved with this weird, mysterious message that was relayed to him where he has to eventually try to get out of here. Clearly, it has nothing to do with the venom that, you know, they're immediately dealing with, obviously still building on to what will happen in the Batwoman series. But that message meant something. And he has to be doing this specifically so that he can you know gain her trust to get out of the Belfry. So thoughts on the future of what Jacob Kane's up to. I'd like to think that what he's up to is trying to help Kate out. I mean, maybe he's got some genuine remorse here that he may have went a little too far or more likely 
he has some kind of um, gigantic plan in the background. But I think it's to pull Kate in. Like, I don't think he's trying to separate him and Kate. So I think he wants Kate to be a soldier to work with him on this colony project. Um, I think he may have realized he's, you know, gone a little too far, but I think that's his plan. I think his, his bigger motivation isn't, isn't world domination. I don't think he's a mustache twirler. I think he's trying to get Kate to see his side of things and, and whatever he's got to do to make her understand that her old man's right. I think that's what he's, what he's looking to do. Yeah. I think when you get down to it, he very much loves Kate. And I think their, their history is very rich, uh, that, um, he cares for her, and I, I think there are. He obviously has misstepped, and and there have been mistakes made quite recently, but that he does still care for her. And I think you know this also goes back to whether or not we believe this conspiracy. That um, what were they called? It wasn't the League of Shadows, but it was something else. Sort of. Um, I think it was the League of well, Shadows. Was oh, is that what was it called? Yeah, okay. League of Assassins was the other one, but it's the League of Shadows that. League of Assassins. Yes. Like, no, yeah. that doesn't exist. Yeah, so, you know, Batman's saying, like, no, no, it's a fairy tale. But I think it gets back to, like, this conspiracy theory. I, I don't think we've ever left that yet. And and Jake clearly believes it uh, so much so that that really, you know, he – that's his goal, right? And, and again, whatever he needs to do to, uh, to complete his goal, his mission, he wants to do. And so just like Ed said, I think he's going to try very much to convince his daughter. Uh, Kate is smart enough, I think, to not – whole what lock stock and barrel buy into what he's selling but um i think she's also vulnerable because he is her father <laughs> so you know that puts you in a, in a tricky space space because you want to trust you know someone that you love like that um so i think uh there's something up his i don't think we can fully trust him uh but i think that it all goes back to this legal shadows business uh what he plans on doing exactly i don't know but you know he's got some plans for kate and i I think he's thinking steps ahead and she feels like she's thinking steps ahead but i don't know if she i I think she might be a little over her head in this instance and i think from my perspective at least i think that they're getting to the point where like i said i feel like they're just getting to the point where he's trying to gain his trust because like ed said the league of shadows is right around the corner um, I don't know if it'll play. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out because, you know, that was such a big focus for that first story arc that involved him. And then we have, we know that the League of Shadows is supposed to come back in Detective Comics during the Cassandra Kane story arc, which is next, um, right after 950, or starts in 951. So I, I, I wonder if the idea is that maybe they're setting up also a potential Batwoman crossover with detective comics down the line, this maybe happened like a couple months or so. Um, Cause that's the only other thing I could think of, because it feels like if they're going to be dealing with the league of shadows and Cassandra in the Cassandra Kane story arc coming up in detective comics towards the end of the story arc, depending on what actually happens, it feels like Jacob Kane would be involved again, but it feels like he really should be moved out of the Belfry and not necessarily referenced in detective comics if he's going to play a role in the Batwoman series, but we'll see what happens. I mean, sometimes the writers do really good working side by side using characters in very similar ways, same location locked up. Um, and sometimes it doesn't work out very well. So it'll be interesting to see how it works out. All right. So detective comics, I'm going to give a total of three out of five. Mm, three and a half is good. Uh, three and a half. All right. And over on the website, Ian gave it three and a half. So it's going to give detective comics a total of 
three and a half out of five bad ranks. That is all of our books. So we're going to jump over to Greater Gotham. And as far as books, we have, uh, well, first off, there was a review that was posted up, a, a new flashbook, a new flashback review. Uh, this one focused on Batman Faces. This didn't release or anything like that, but uh, it's a very, very in-depth review of the entire Batman Faces storyline. This is uh, done by one of our newer reviewers, Jessica Alves. She's going to be reviewing Batwoman as well as Super Sons come February. So uh, if you are interested in Batman Faces or Matt Wagner or old Legends of the Dark Knight stories, take a look. They're good. Yeah. There's so many of them that are good in that series. There really are. All right. All right. So getting into Greater Gotham, uh, we have, uh, starting off on January 18th, main TV books. We already talked about Batman. Nightwing number 13 is the runoffs disband because of another death. Nightwing heads to the mayor's office only to meet the person trying to frame everyone, Mr. Nice. This review by David. He gave it four out of five, and we give this one a thumbs up. Neutral? Neutral. Harley Quinn number 12. When Harley sleeps, Red Tool meets up with the Joker to give him a beating. Harley then shows up to take over beating the Joker. Uh, this was reviewed by, by David. He gave it three and a half out of five, and we give this one a neutral. Neutral. Abstain. Uh, no secondary TVU books. Uh, main DC Universe books. Just League number 13. A tie into the Justice League vs. Suicide Squad event that focuses on Steve Trevor and the everyman's perspective of the attacks happening in the world. This is reviewed by Paul. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Uh, thumbs down. I mean, it's not bad, but it just seems like a tacky attack on story for a crossover. Abstain. Trinity number five is Poison Ivy explains to Lois how she became involved with the dream world. The Trinity tries to take down Mongol and learn more about his his heir, White Mercy. This is reviewed by Bill. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Justice League vs. Suicide Squad number five is Maxwell Lord reveals that Eclipso is taking control of his plans. Batman forms a new Justice League to take down the mind-controlled team. This is reviewed by Ian. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Uh, neutral. Neutral. And then uh, secondary DC Universe books. We have Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye, number four. Yeah. In the backup, Batgirl makes another appearance as she investigates the disappearance of Wonder Woman. James Gordon and Joker also both cameo in the backup. After uh, Green Arrow, number 15, after sharing an intimate moment together, Green Arrow and Black Canary gear up to face a rogue police unit. Green Lanterns, number 15, Batman appears alongside the Justice League as they take down a sea monster. Afterwards, Batman contacts Jessica Cruz and Simon Baz and explains he needs them to head to Gotham for what appears to be a Batman Green Lanterns team-up. In Justice Ground Zero, number four, which includes digital chapters number seven through eight, Harley and her gang break into Killer Croc's lair to set free a number of villains that he has captured for the regime. After defeating both Killer Croc and Bane, the new reinforcements join Harley in her fight against the regime. Suicide Squad Most Wanted, El Diablo and Boomerang, number six in the El Diablo story. Azucar makes another appearance alongside, along with Deadshot, who is sent in to bring back El Diablo back to the squad. And then in the Amanda Waller story, the Suicide Squad is present, which includes Harley Quinn and Deadshot. Superman number 15, a number of characters make brief appearances in the issue, including Atomic Knight Batman from Earth 17, Terry McGinnis of Earth 12, Leatherwing of Earth 10, Batman Jr. of Earth 16, 
Ragman of Earth-13, and Batman and Harley Quinn from Earth-14. Moving into the next week of books, which was January 25th, uh, we already talked, uh, as far as main TV books, we already talked about Detective Comics. Batman Beyond number four is Terry and Dana escape the Jokers. Dana realizes that Terry is Batman. This realization has to put, be put on hold, however, because Joker's body has gone missing and Bruce Wayne may be involved. This is by Jimmy. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Abstain. Abstain. Batgirl number seven is Babs returns back to Burnside. Changes in the air as we briefly see a number of the old supporting characters and build towards a new mystery involving the Son of Penguin. So you by Ian, he gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Abstain. Neutral. Secondary TBU books, Batman 66 meets One Roman number seven, digital chapters number one through two. After a book is stolen, Bruce recalls a story from his childhood that involved Ra's al Ghul, Talia, and One Roman. So you by Jerry, he gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs up. Neutral. Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Adventures number three. The Turtles and the Bat Family take down Poison Ivy and Snakeweed, only to be split up and end up facing Scarecrow. This is you by Paul. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Abstain. <laughs> thumbs up. Main DC Universe books. Teen Titans number four is Damien faces Mara. The Teen Titans try to figure out why he chose to sacrifice himself. This is reviewed by Ryan. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Suicide Squad number 10. After Rustam threatens Amanda Waller's family, the squad takes her daughter into custody to prevent her from being harmed. This is reviewed by Corbin. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Mm, neutral. Neutral. Justice League vs. Suicide Squad number six. The event comes to a close as Batman and his team of misfits are able to stop Eclipso. This review by Bill. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. A thumbs up, but admittedly, I am a Killer Frost fan, so. Neutral. All right. Then secondary DC Universe books, Deathstroke number 11, Jack Ryder, also known as the Creeper, makes an appearance in the issue. Justice League of America, Killer Frost Rebirth number one. Besides cameos from Harley Quinn and Killer Croc, Mr. Toxic and Batman make an appearance. If you don't remember who Mr. Toxic was, he's a character who first appeared in the Tony Daniel beginning run of Detective Comics in the New 52. Uh, good stuff. It was not good stuff. He's, he's I saying that sarcastic. Sarcasm. Yes. Uh, the Commandy Challenge, number one. Commandy happens to have a poster of Batman on his wall in the beginning of the issue. Six Pack and the Dog Welder, Hard, hard Traveling Heroes, number six. Batman makes a brief cameo in the issue. And then as far as trades and hardcovers, uh, we have Batgirl, volume three, Point Blank, trade paperback. Harley Quinn, Volume 6, Black and White and Red all over, hardcover. Harley Quinn, Volume 5, The Joker's Last Laugh, trade paperback. Justice League, Volume 1, The Extinction Machine, trade paperback. Teen Titans Go, Volume 3, Mumbo Jumble, trade paperback. Batman, Arkham, Man Bat, trade paperback. Batman, The Brave and the Bold, Bronze Age, Omnibus, hardcover. Batman, Death and the Maidens, Deluxe Edition, hardcover. Good. Nightwing, Volume 1, Better Than Batman, trade paperback. And Superman, Batman, The Saga of the Super Sons, New edition, trade paperback. So that is everything that released within the last two weeks. There is a lot of it. So the lists are all on the website, and I implore you to check all those reviews for all those main books that we talked about. Uh, There's in-depth reviews of all those explaining what's happening. So even if you're not paying for each individual issue and you want to keep up with the stories, check out the reviews because that's the easiest way to do it. Because my one sentence or two sentence summaries are not necessarily doing the entire book's justice. I'll just say that. Oh, they're pretty good, though. They're not bad. Well, I appreciate that. I take some time doing that. I mean, you get the gist of a lot of them. Better than I think you could after 10 words, but it's not bad. All right. So that's going to move us straight into our bat signal.
and we have nine comments to go over. Yay! Nonetheless, uh, we, we appreciate all I comments. Like I don't I don't know if that was a good it was a sound positive, or, yeah. Okay. It, just, I, I think it sounded strange. Really, I think it came out badly. Yeah. But we like comments, so we, we have lots of comments, so we have lots of things to talk about. So we're going to start off with Sterling. First, you pronounced my last name right, so yay. First time for everything? Se- yeah. For, second off, it is my real name, so no, not a villain, LOL. I heard of the podcast through Facebook from a page I liked recommending the Everybody Loves Drake podcast. So I know my first point will seem random, but I'm listing it first because it connects to a few points. I'm still waiting for Batwoman's sister to appear in Rebirth. I remember reading an interview where she is supposed to appear in Detective Comics. But with Batwoman getting her own comic, I wonder if she'll appear as an eventual supporting character in Batwoman or be part of the team in Detective. I also kind of wondered the same thing about their cousin Hawkfire. Okay, well, let's, oh, she let, did, yeah, let's just yeah, let's okay, take, yeah. A, take a break there. Um, I think that eventually Beth and uh, also Bat, yeah, are both going Beth to. Bat, that was confusing. Yeah, so that much was very confusing for a while. I think of both of them will probably eventually pop up in Batwoman. Um, I think it's not going to be right away though. Most most specifically because I think that they're going to try to establish. These newer characters, potentially Colony Prime, reestablish whatever the working relationship that Jacob and Kate are going to have going forward. And then obviously in the, the new character, Dr. October, they're going to they're going to have to kind of establish her group of characters. And I don't think that Bet or Beth are going to be part of the beginning group. Um, although I will say that I think by the time the first story arc is over, I bet we will see some sort of references to at least one of them. Oh yeah. I mean, I would be shocked if it wasn't first arc deal with Connie Pine slash Jake and set up the, the book second arc bet slash, you know what I'm saying? Like gotta be. Yeah, I would think so. And it's good because I'm interested in seeing those characters again. And, and it makes, it's the reason why I think Batwoman's comic, although way divorced from Batman's comic, she really felt like she had her own world because she had all these characters that were interesting. Um, but she wouldn't, Beth wouldn't be a part of the team, would she? Uh, no, because she's a villain. Yeah, Bet would. Yeah, okay. Bet could be the Robin. Similar, like she all of a sudden turned it. But (laughs) I've read Batwoman Elegy, and I didn't know if Beth appeared elsewhere. Uh, I think it'd be too much right now because, especially since we really need to focus, I think on Kate need anything to distract us, and like another family drama thing would be too much. Now that being said, if like it's really coming unraveled at the end and the colony stuff is over and Beth comes in and it brings them together. I think that would be a story point, but I think they need to wait to unveil that because Beth is a really powerful uh, character if done correctly with all the past and everything they have in common. Okay. I, I already knew Dr. October was trans before reading Detective from some interviews I read. I am part of the LGBT community and think they did a fantastic job with introducing her. It wasn't obvious that she was trans except for the way she talked. I also think they drew her amazingly. She looked feminine except for the jaw. My only problem with her is when she was introduced. In the same interviews, they say she may pop up in Batwoman, but she's going to be focused on a detective. For Batwoman support, I know Julia Pennyworth will be her Alfred, and I'm guessing that it's Renee on the cover of the first issue, so maybe she'll be part of it as well. Since Alice is supposed to be a detective, I'm hoping they decide to put her in Batwoman and make her part of the supporting cast, because I'm a fan of her. Except for... 
it just being focused on Batman and Batwoman, I don't know how I feel if it's a good backdoor for her own comic. Story-wise, I think it's good, but it feels like it's supposed to be filler between the big arcs. I'm intrigued by Colony Prime and who he is and if he'll be a villain in Batwoman. Also, our Batman I really liked. I was not a fan of the last arc, but I do like this one a lot better. All right, so I, I I did forget about the Julia Pennyworth thing. I remember seeing the cover and then That's and right. then seeing Tanya mention something about that on Twitter at some point that she was going to be involved in the the pages of Batwoman. It's interesting because uh, you know dealing with the supporting characters in general. I mean, we just talk, kind of talked about this, but I feel like the, there is a big group of characters that can easily be focused on. The other easy thing in my mind would be to kind of link her up with the GCPD because she is that former military. Maybe she has that, you know, maybe a little bit more inclination to work alongside the GCPD more so than the way Batman does. Um, And obviously the link with Renee would also help her as well. So I could see that as something that they could do too, if you know, down the line necessarily, if they run out of ideas. Um, now the idea of Dr. October only being in detective, I wonder if, now I don't know exactly which interview you're referring to, but the, I'm wondering if the idea was that she was going to be introduced in detective comics and then end up in Batwoman. Because my only thought is I don't know how going forward detective comics will actually play out with these monster and the the weird Venom stuff and the Colony Prime. It doesn't seem like any of that should be taking place in Detective going forward. Like, there's no reason it can't be referenced. But I don't feel like Detective is the place that that stuff will, you know, we will see the outcome of those those story points. Yeah, I thought that all was Batwoman stuff, right? Like, she was going to leave Gotham City and track down where the horrible monster Venom came from, right? Like, I thought that's what we were doing here. So maybe I read it wrong. Uh, what a nice to see Julia back, who has been absentee since rebirth. All right. And then from our next comment comes from Ian Prime. Yes, Ian Prime. Batwoman seems to be the place for forgotten characters. Julia Pennyworth, Bet Kane, and Beth slash Alice have all been hinted slash confirmed they will appear in the series. Very excited to see them again. I think Colony Prime will be defeated in this two-part arc since the main villain of Batwoman's first arc seems to be someone named Knife. Yeah, Knife is the younger brother of Zaz. Did you know that? Is that for serious? No, I'm just kidding. Okay, I was going to say, I don't don't keep up with all the interviews like I I used to. So, I mean, you could definitely trick me over here. Um, I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure Knife is Mac the Knife, right? From the song? Yeah, Frank Sinatra. <laughs> this is a point where someone editing should put in a Frank Sinatra clip. He doesn't do that. Mac the Knife, right? Come on. Everyone likes old blue eyes. Never mind. Well, Next. I, I, yeah, I do like me some Frank Sinatra. But... Okay, okay, I was about to say, if you don't like Frank Sinatra, we, yeah. that that's on America. Yeah, I was going to say, you're not really pushing the American idea if you're a... Not like in Frank Sinatra, but anyway. Uh, yes, Batwoman definitely seems to be the place for forgotten characters. I mean, uh, I'm I'm guessing the interview that Ian Prime is referencing is also talking about these other characters that we have not heard, or maybe it's comments on Twitter. I do every once in a while, like I do follow uh, Tanya on Twitter, and he does say, he does occasionally just randomly talk about story points that are coming up. And it's interesting because there's not a lot of writers that do that. Some writers think it they don't they, they shouldn't talk about anything having to do with the comics that they're writing, other than just to sing praise when they're on special lists and things like that. Um, Ian Prime then continued on and had 
a more lengthy comment, not a response to uh, a previous comment. So let's dive into that one. The villains were cool in All-Star Batman, particularly the Firefly slash Killer Moth pairing as a fellow fan of Batgirl Year One with Stella. Smiley emoji. However, I enjoyed the montage of the villains born King's Batman slash Catwoman romance. I have seen all but the most recent Bourne movies, but I only like the one with Hawkeye, Jeremy Renner, for Dustin's clarification as a non-Marvel fan. Winky emoji. The only car chase I remember liking is the one from Jack Reacher with Tom Cruise. Okay, real quick, we're going to stop here. I know who Hawkeye is, and I know who Jeremy Renner is. Okay, continue on. Hawkeye? That's it? The Green Arrow ripoff guy, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. The Purple Green Arrow. What? I think that, oh my gosh. I think the situation with Duke and his code name is really bad. (laughs) It's leading to an unfocused fan base and a very focused anti fan base right now. My read is that Snyder had very specific plans for Duke, primarily for him to either be Robin, like in the Futures and Batman story, or to be Lark, like his hallucination slash future story in other Batman stories. That Robin title, oops that were overtaken by the We Are Robin title, and now he's frustrated and dragging out the origin story so that he has full creative control on it. But it's hurting the character. Oh, no. We need a fully baked chicken leg here. Give me a break. No, no. no I, give yeah. Me a break. If, you, if you think that's bad, just wait till you get some of these other oh, comments. Yeah. They're getting they're, they're going I know. full They've chicken legs here. Yeah, we got all about this chicken. Yes, You're the chicken legs are like happening. The, you're like the eccentric um, next door neighbor that like says really weird things and people latch onto it and enjoy it. Yep, that's me. I firmly stand. <laughs> I firmly stand by my comments on Luke and Burnside. He did almost nothing, even wearing his armor for a date for no good reason. Well, she was in armor too. Remember that. Also, since Steph knows Luke's identity and talked about Luke as a boyfriend with Batgirl and knows Bruce and Tim's identities, I'm going to state that Steph also knows Bab's identity. Ha 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 ha! Oh, no, I don't but, know if okay, Steph so knows Luke's yeah. identity. Yeah, I, I, yeah, let's do it. Let's let's talk this. Uh, so real quick before we go into the Luke thing, which I know is going to be a little fire. Um, Last the, the Luke thing, I agree, I definitely agree with this. I mean, obviously, you're kind of just agreeing with our statements from the last Steph episode. Knows Luke's identity, but but the thing with Duke yeah. is that it just comes across that Duke around. is should clearly be a name. The fact that, uh, like, you're saying that he's uh, Snyder's dragging out the you Duke, story. You said needs a name or he has a name? No, he needs a name. He oh. needs to have a code name. He cannot be Duke in the field while he's wearing a suit. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, the fact that Ian's saying that Snyder's dragging out the origin story so that he has full creative control on it makes absolutely zero sense. Because if, just, if it yeah. all happened and it, there was a wrench thrown into the plans because of the We Are Robin title... Why did they green light the We Are Robin title? I know. Well, that's not true because we know why. It's because Lieberman actually had stated that he had an idea for a similar story, not superhero related, not Batman related. It was just a story of kids and, you know, something like in that same vein where kids were doing some sort of vigilante type work. And the idea of what the effect on kids was, but it wasn't necessarily meant to be a DC book. It was meant to just be a thing he was pitching. DC kind of latched onto and said, hey, we can make that a Robin book. And then it became a Robin book and we are Robin. And that's what ended up happening because he said that the idea was never for it to be involving Robins or any superheroes at all in interviews. So 
maybe there was a wrench thrown into Snyder's plan, and maybe that's what happened. But at this point, it's been such a long time. He just needs to fix this. I mean, and it's simple. He's got these backups. Fix the dumb story in the backups. I I would put the guesswork that he's going to be called Yellow Jacket because he's wearing a yellow jacket. No, It'd no, be a pretty no. stupid thing because there's a, yellow, there's a yellow jacket in Marvel. I, I actually I know that, that too. I, I know, know that. that. I, mean, I know that too. You never saw Ant Man. That was a good movie. Yeah, I thought I thought it was Ant. Was it? Oh yeah, that was the bad dude with the the, yep. with the train at the guy. But yeah, also yeah. Hank Pym was a yellow jacket too. Okay, so let's get to the the comment we really want to talk about, which is Luke and Burnside <sighs> and all of that wonderful. I thought mess. we want to talk about the chicken legs again. Well, I just, we I oh, wanna, we'll get back to the chicken legs. We'll get back to. Oh that. my gosh, I Ian, I just need I need um, citations. I need proof and evidence about this, and I feel like I know what we're talking about. Now he can correct me, you know, in the next episode uh, if I'm wrong. But I'm pretty sure he's talking about when Batgirl like was protecting Steph and put her in Luke's apartment and said like this is a safe place. But she never mentioned his name. I don't think I don't think that Steph mm. knows who. Oh, 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 actually, but then you I skip know forward it, to Detective that's Comics. True. Yeah. But I, I just don't know about this. He and I go so, back. I argue with him all the time about Steph knowing Barbara Gordon's identity. So is that the one we're unclear on? Is if Steph knows Barb's? Yeah, that, that's what it, that's what yeah. the argument is. It's that either it's been going on for yeah. at least a year. It's either Steph knows or Steph doesn't know. But at this point, at least what's happening? Like I will, I am on Stella's side when it comes to the solely Batgirl. That just if you yeah. just are reading Batgirl. And nothing else. Steph does right. not know who she is. I but, think it's a pretty closed circle. Who knows Barbara Gordon's uh, identity? And I think that Steph is on the outside of that. But I would disagree if you count what's been going on with Detective Comics and Rebirth, because Steph knows everybody. And you know that's part of the team in Detective Comics. That's true, yeah. And she knows who Tim is and all that. And I don't know that there would be any sort of secret as to. Which vigilantes are who in Gotham City? Yeah, but hasn't that always kind of been the deal in all comic books, and especially with the Bat Family? Is your identity is your identity? You can't, you know, what I'm saying like only you're supposed to give out well, your sure, identity. Sure, but that doesn't mean. I mean, like if they're if they are willingly making you know that she knows who Cassandra is. Harper Row used to be Bluebird. You know, all of them used to be together. Uh, they've worked the alongside other characters, Bruce, right? Yeah, I mean. It it wouldn't take a rocket scientist to put the pieces together. I mean, I mean, like, sure, they have never blatantly stated that she knows who Barbara is. I will say that part, but it just feels like if she knows who Batman is, she has to know who Barbara is, doesn't well, she? I mean, no, she I disagree with release. that because think about this: Barbara is the most disconnected. Like, well, right Bruce, now, yes, yes, Bruce. Once you figured out that Bruce Wayne is Batman, you'd have to be an idiot not to put the Robins together. Well, you know, you'd have wait, to be an idiot to put a, pretty but, much but, anybody. To, but Barbara is kind of like two steps away from that group. You know what I'm saying? Like Damien's him, his son. He had, he adopted Dick Grayson, Tim. I mean, like, so it's easy to put those together. But Barbara is two steps away and has been off in China. Besides, you know, <laughs> China, so, Korea, and Japan. Uh, yeah, the Pacific Rim. One would say, like, oh dear. <laughs> Thanks, Guillermo del Toro. So I think that, that there is you could act, act, actually say that it's it's plausible that she wouldn't know Barbara just because she hasn't been around, and when she's been in town she's been in Burnside. But 
Barbara hasn't really had a major role in Detective. Yeah. But wait, let's go back to further back. Eternal? Spoiler, as she was pre-New 52, Stella, I'm sure you'll know this answer, did she ever work alongside Oracle? Steph? Yes. Yes. Okay, so if she knows who... She's a bad girl, though. Doesn't doesn't she have to know then? Um, yeah, but that continuity's up in the air, man. Yeah. I mean, well, sure, I but I'm just that, saying, yeah. like, I mean, there's 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 a lot of different moving parts when it comes to like determining whether or not she knows. But, but like, yeah. if we recognize the fact that the majority of the people know that Barbara Gordon used to be Oracle because they worked with Oracle. Now, if uh, you go yeah. off the spoiler, doesn't exist until just Batman Eternal. Okay, well then we've got some problems with that idea. But I well, yeah, know. because at that point Barbara's Batgirl. Well, yeah, in the New 52, yeah, but she was Oracle in the past, and now that they're bringing back a lot of this old continuity stuff, like the fact that they're recognizing in Birds of Prey that she used to be Oracle, we all know who she she used to be Oracle, you know, things like that, like, it, it's it's really one of those things where it's like, well, how is it going to fit with the story, and do we need to make it fit and who's who's going to be writing the story? But I, mean, I don't remember if in Death of uh, Death of Oracle, we remember like she basically had to like no one could know about it except for a select few. Cassandra Kane wasn't on the list of knowing that Barbara was Oracle and slash alive. Yeah, I so I don't know. How could she not know? That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm saying. I don't, like, they had to. I can't. I I sort of like erase that storyline from my memory. But well, do you remember oh, the Death of Oracle? Did. Oh, I do. Yeah. So it was very strange. Was, yeah, Cass was on the outside of that. So if Cass was, then certainly Steph would be. It's true. I don't know. Okay, let's go. keep going. We should just ask someone who's in the know. We should. I guess Tynion. No, who would know? I don't know. Well, Tynion would probably be the Nobody. best option to know. I guess so, yeah. Even though he has... Nothing know. to do with Batgirl. Yeah. Uh, Nightwing's first arc, interrupted by Night of the Dull Monsters, Wolves, was uh. clearly to clean up the plot lines. Seely and King had left hanging from their run on Grayson. Uh-oh. But, whoops, not the greatest, but I thought Seely did a good job with the characters, particularly Babs's guest spots. I hope he has more of both Babs and Damien soon. Of course, the comment was meant to provoke a response, Stella. Why comment otherwise? But I am with you as far as Babs Dick shipping. Yay! Being endgame shipping. I like, yeah, whatever. I like Starfire quite a bit, but I thought that the issue where Dick showed up in Starfire's solo series showed why they can't work long time, long term. Dick is always too distracted, and Starfire is always too involved with everyone else. Only someone like Babs or Helena could hold his attention, I believe. Also, when you bring up Dick's playboy tendencies, Stella, you should also bring up Alia from Grayson, whom with whom he tangled in the second issue. Maybe not quite as fast as the girl on the plane. <laughs> Sounds like a new thriller, but I wasn't a fan of that either. All right. So, obviously, Ian Prime's main mission is to just provoke a response from Stella. Yeah. Ian, I, I suggest one of the things you should ask next time around is oh boy. why Jim Gordon doesn't know who that his daughter is back role. Well, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, that's true. They that, ride in the same car. That's he true. can see her eyes, her her holes in that mask is so large. I mean, if 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 Dinah can look at Dinah, well, let me say, Dinah and Helena yeah. and Catwoman can look at a video camera and like a security vote footage and see someone's behind and recognize them. True story. This happened in manhunt bet birds prey. Um, then, you know, Jim Gordon should be able to recognize his own daughter. 
Willful ignorance is the only way to describe that. Maybe. Seriously. Willful ignorance until yeah. somebody comes along and actually wants to tell that story. Because that's what I think it comes down to. Like, but why hasn't it happened yet? <laughs> great question. I'd love to what know the answer myself. I think the yeah. problem is it, it, like that knowledge would change so many things. Because then there's automatically going to be some sort of conflict between Jim Gordon and and uh, Bruce Wayne. I mean, I mean it, that has to happen too. No, we're going wait, through this idea in All Star that that Jim Gordon knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman, but wait, of course he doesn't know who Batgirl is because, well, Scott Snyder doesn't want to touch Batgirl. Someone go write the story where Batgirl and Commissioner Gordon work together on some big six-issue epic graphic novel that gets turned into everything, 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 because everyone wants to read it. Just someone go write it. Every chance they've had to do it, where you think it's going to happen, like the James Jr. story during Gail Simone's run, that that was a perfect opportunity for it to happen. It did get dark, but that was a perfect opportunity for it to happen. And just have it be the resolution as to why they end up making up. But it doesn't happen. Like I don't care if you told us up front. That's what you're gonna do. If they said, start next month. This is the the Commissioner Gordon, Barbara Gordon story where they're they're gonna end up whatever going to Spain to such catch a serial killer. It almost doesn't matter, and just have them working together, knowing who each other is, and exploring all of that. I mean, it just it. I can't believe like from all the stories that get done, nobody's walked into the office and like, hey guys, I got one that might be interesting. You know, like, especially doesn't make any sense in my mind because of what Snyder's doing with Gordon right now. We just saw an All Star, whatever, two months ago or last, the end of December. We just saw at the end of All Star, you know, he basically like winks at Alfred and is like, ha ha ha, better tell your boss that we're here. Like, Like, come on. I mean, like, Snyder is not hiding the fact that he believes that Gordon knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman. That is not something that's a secret, you know, that Snyder's trying to hide. So, like, if that's happening, then somebody should just be able to tell the story of the two of them finally being able to just because, like, there's so many elements, story elements to involve Jim Gordon with. Jim Gordon really isn't in any stories right now. The best thing to do is to involve him in a story with his daughter. Anyway, it's one of the most frustrating things in the world to think about. All right. Next comment comes from Jerry. Regarding Dr. October, I saw the headline of the Bleeding Cool article before I read the comic, so I knew she was transgender. If I hadn't, I'm sure I would have missed the references. Characters morphing and renaming themselves is pretty common in comics, so the idea of having a pupil stage and dead name could be interpreted in other ways. I'm glad to see that she's going to be a fully formed character and not just in there as a token. My comments in the last episode about being promised something I wasn't getting were directed at Detective Comics. My disappointment centers around Tim being off the team. I know we are going to be getting him back as part of the Watchmen story, but the Batwoman, Tim, Steph, Clayface, and cast team up had so many possibilities. I'm just disappointed it isn't being explored. The current group is pretty meh for me in comparison. Well, let's, so let's talk about that. I mean, that's a lot of what we said also in the last episode, and I definitely agree with that. Um, that part of it promised the original promise was it was an original team. We're not getting that team that we were originally told was going to be the team. It's now changed twice where we've lost multiple members of the team um, and we've added members too. But like you said, the current group is not nearly as good as the original. I mean, honestly, if I had to compare Tim Drake to Luke Fox, I'd pick Tim Drake every day of the week. Um, I'd never pick, I'd never pick Luke Fox to replace Tim Drake in, in, in any story in my mind. Um, well, who's going to replace Stephanie? 
Well, not, we know it's Azrael. Hoppo, whoa! Yeah, but Stephanie or Azrael? Come on, man. Yeah, I think like, we know who would pick there, too. The problem is, eventually, yeah. I want to get back to, like, uh, hopefully what ends up happening is they find out Tim's not dead. Tim, Tim comes back to the team. Steph comes back to the team because Tim's back. And everybody makes up, and we get back to the original stories that we could have hap- that could have happened. Now, and I don't want to say this. I don't want to say this thinking and lead everyone to believe that I don't like what's going on, in Detective. Because I do. I enjoy what's going on, in Detective. But I do feel I do agree with Jerry that there is a ton of possibilities that just didn't have the time to be explored in the pages of Detective because Tim was off the team within the first story arc. Think about this. Like, this could be a real possibility for some great storytelling when, you know, Tim comes back and Stephanie gets her emotions in check, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And we, we come in and we, we they all sit down, Azrael and Luke, and they're like, goodbye. Like, you know. <laughs> you all, we all, we can think. Yeah. Like, we had you here because we needed you, but now that they're back, we don't really, we don't really feel the need for you guys to be here anymore. So we're going to need your keys. Or it just gives the opportunity to kill off characters, legitimately kill them off. Uh, Kill off Iron Bat? Yeah, that'd be good. Iron Bat? (laughs) Well, he's talking about Luke Fox, but yeah. Luke Fox, he's Iron Man in a Batman suit with ears. It's true, especially after that episode or the the issue where his armor comes to him. Oh, man. I could hear ACDC literally playing in the background when I saw that. Okay. In terms of my Batman concerns, issue 15 puts Selena's murder's problem to rest. Phew. I totally agree with the Batcat shipping. They are soulmates that are too broken to sustain a relationship. Issues 14 and 15 were my favorite issues in a very long time. You guys brought up Talia in your discussion, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on how Talia fits into the Bruce Selena mix. Well, uh, my thought process and how that works out is Talia is not an actual love interest for Batman. Talia has seduced Batman using narcotics. Oh, dear. Got herself, uh, you know, basically. She roofied him. Yeah, she roofied <laughs> him, and 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 that's how Damien came about. Oh, and that's basically what it is. Like, I don't feel like Talia has any real relation. Like, she feels like she's meant to be with Bruce because her father is, you know, because that's- because Bruce is meant to be the, you know, the person to take over the mantle of Ra's al Ghul. But that's not reality. I mean, Bruce doesn't feel that way. So, like, the idea of Talia actually, or the the idea that Bruce would actually have some sort of feelings for Talia. I just don't see it. I, I don't see it. I mean, like, sure. He, you know, I'm sure she, he finds her attractive, but I don't see any sort of like relationship. Like what's we see with Selena. She's just his baby mama. It's all right. Don't worry that's about pretty it. Pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much what it is. Right. Like, um, plus yeah, dad gets I mean, in the way. Yeah. Granddad's, you know, wants to destroy the world periodically, you know, uh, but no, I, I don't think Talia will ever, I, talk, I think talk it, about a father-in-law from hell. <laughs> oh yeah, like I think I got it. Oh man, but uh, no, no, I, I think that's. I think if anything, she plays foil occasionally. But um, yeah, I think Batman and Catwoman. Now that the status quo has been reset by this, is exactly where they need to be. And if Talia shows up, it'll just be for a five-issue thing. All right, go ahead and keep going. I am much older than that young whippersnapper Stella and saw Dark Shadows after school during its original run. I'm a little more than halfway through the 1,000 Barnabas episodes on DVD. Gold Key did Dark Shadows comics from 1969 to 1976. Dynamite did a run from 2011 through 2013, including a Vampirella 
crossover mini. Also in 2013, they did a Barnabas Year One mini. The licensing rights are out there, and I have the the licensing rights are out there, and I have the Batman 66 mashup all plotted out. DC should have their people talk to my people, though I'll have to get some people. Sounds like Chris K has some good ideas too, so just say the word and we're on it. Gotham Academy getting canceled? I can't hear you, la la la. Love the theories Ian Prime brings up about Amy and all your discussion about Gotham Academy. When it is working, it is my favorite comic out of all I read. Don't tell Pamiati. Love your discussion cool. on Mother Panic and the slow burn development in narrative. It is the Shyamalanization of storytelling. Force the second viewing so you can <laughs> so you can see the movie you didn't realize you were seeing the first time. <laughs> that is a great oh, way of putting man. it. That's pretty smart comment, my yeah. boy. Looking forward to the next podcast for your discussion on the above, as well as more about chimpanzee video shenanigans, and to hear Stella say Shyamalanization. Well, congratulations. Well, at least one of those things has come true. Chimpanzees, FTW? Are we doing that again? Are we watching uh, Monkey well, I, I do want to point out, I'm pretty sure you're saying the word incorrectly. I'm pretty sure it's... Oh, okay, Pot, calling the kettle black. What is his name? M. Night Shyamalan. (laughs) So if his name is M. Night Shyamalan, isn't it Shyamalanization? It's M. Night Shyamalan. 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 Shyamalanization. Shyamalanization. Yeah, well, there's an A there. She said shaman, like a shaman. Shia, Shia, hey, Shia. Yeah, you're right. It is, is the is the kettle calling Shia Malanization. We'll just leave it at that. But yeah, basically, we got to pronounce it. Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, there you go. Even Stevens, FTW. Okay, so getting back to your actual comments. It's a, it's a very good way to put it, though. I will say that. It is. that I, I love how he actually really... said, force a second viewing so you can see the movie you didn't realize you were seeing the first time. That, is, so a, that is the best so way to, to do it. Yeah. And I'm actually like, Split is on my list of stuff to go see in the in the next week or so. So uh, Don't do it. I have to. I just have don't to. Don't do it. One of my favorite movies is uh, Unbreakable. I love that movie. Really? Yeah, I really do. The idea, wait, like, when it first came out, like, it doesn't... Do, look at monkeys... It doesn't have. It doesn't. That movie does not hold up as well as 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 it did when it first came out. But like when you, I just rewatched it actually two weeks ago. It's funny because I just I just literally watched it like two Sundays ago. Um, but when I like, it still holds up pretty well. Like I liked it when it first came out because it was an idea of, you know, here's a superhero story without it's a superhero, it, story. It's a superhero yeah. story without it being existing superheroes. It's just it's a story and. It was it was pretty well done. I mean, he did a lot of really good stuff with his first his first couple movies with Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, Signs was even pretty good. Then it got a little off the rails. Signs is where it started. Yes. The train started yeah. to get shaky. Yeah, it did. And then it kind of now did you you did see his next movie that he's working on is funny enough Unbreakable too. For re- well, he, they've been saying no, that's that for not years. Me, it's not me joking with you. Well, yeah, they've that, been saying it for years. They've been always saying that they were going to do another no, one. No, he said he he said that he they already started pre production on. That's literally the movie he's working on now. Well, then I'm so. excited about that, but I'll like I I literally have heard that for years. So do we want to have a new podcast on the Batman no, universe? We can't add any more podcasts. Podcast? We're not having it. We can't add oh, it. No. The under the uh, not, M. Night Shyamalanization. Yeah, it's not happening. Okay. Anyway. 
Um, our next comment comes from Joel. Been listening for a long time and kept putting off posting. First, thanks for the podcast and content. You help make my LA commute bearable. Knowing there is a new episode coming out helps me make sure to keep my to-read pile churning and small. Second, Dustin, congratulations on the addition to your family. Thank you. Third, regarding the way a trans character was introduced, I also did not catch it. But then, I am a straight guy and not at all in that community. Using code word slash language in the way it was done makes complete sense, though. Adding characters from the LGBTQ community should be done exactly the same as adding other characters, organically. In that way, Dr. October's introduction was genuine. But at the same time, the previous character that was brought up, the name escapes me, that immediately identified, oh, Alicia, Alicia, yeah. 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 That that girl. I haven't forgotten her, sir. That immediately identified as, I used to be trans, could be just as genuine. Some people feel the need to announce their history in real life, just as in comics. So either method works for me, just as long as it is consistent with the character. And I, and I, yeah, I, fact, I, I definitely agree. Yeah. I mean, there are people who feel the need to announce whatever they feel they need to announce right up front instead of just day, slowly, instead of slowly just learning about the person. So it is possible, but I do think that uh, the way they did in Detective Comics worked very well. There's more character. We have more comments coming about this. That's why I'm saving more talk later on. But go ahead. Fourth, I like the addition of of abstain. I had wondered if slash when neutral was actually a did not read. Good ad. For me, it was a lot. Yes, that was Stella's Stella's suggestion. We we probably should have done that a long time ago. I never really thought about it, but yeah. Finally, for the 250th episode, I had a suggestion. Good. Many of your listeners look for new Bat material and ask for recommendations. So for number 250, how about a DC... DBUCP favorite 50 list. This would take some work, but if each of you put together your favorite 50 bat stories or graphic novels and average them out, you could talk briefly about the collective top 50 list. That way we could find out what Ed likes beyond Snyder and Miller smiley emoji. (laughs) It would be... (laughs) 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 If they know you so well, it's funny how well listeners know us. It would be a long episode and I think might spur many of us to go out and get some more books. Also, I would love to hear it. Anyway, thanks again for the podcast and happy belated 2017. When did I come across as a huge Miller fan? Well, I guess you'd have. It's probably just because of the way you review Dark Knight 3. I like DK3, but I think there you go. There you go. That's why. But I think that might be more due to Azarello than Frank Miller. Yeah, I think that probably is the case. Although I like Azarello and I don't like DK3. We'll we'll, we'll talk about that next time. Best Brian Azarello story of all time for me, Flashpoint Mm. Batman. Yeah, with the Martha Wayne Joker, that's pretty tough to beat, man. That's a pretty, pretty. Like, he's done some great stuff. Like, I've never read his 100 Bullets, so I can't speak of that. And he's got a new Batman project coming out this year and something, doesn't he? I don't know. Does he? Yeah, I think he got his. He's got a um, a mini series he's doing after DK three, which on his own. If Where did you hear that? On the Batman Universe comic podcast, we talked about it like two months ago. I don't think so. I don't what? remember hearing it's that. On, you've got it on the. It's on the Bat News cycle thing. Mm. Let's speak about something. I'll look it up. Go ahead. Okay, that's fine. Um, anyway, go, getting back, the idea of doing a top fifty list—it's not a bad idea. Although I'm not sure we could do fifty because that might take sure a long. That, that might take a long time for us. To top do. ten. Top ten, or maybe top twenty, or something like that, where we do average it out and just kind of get an idea of like which ones of our are 
are our favorite, something like that. I'm sure we could do something like that. We don't necessarily have to wait for the 250th either. We could do that as a special, maybe uh, down the line, if we get some more Patreon supporters, we can put together a special in relation to that or something like that. There is, I will say, there is a, on the Patreon account, there is a interesting uh, reward where you basically choose the topic of discussion. So this is a suggestion that could help could, could happen f- through Patreon. Not to say that we couldn't do this without Patreon, but just as a suggestion and a reminder to support us on Patreon. 50 be tough though. Yeah. 50 be really tough. Like I, I mean, could come up with 50 stories, but see, I think I discussing like 50 stories might be very, very difficult. But I almost like I almost say we should do it leading up to episode two fifty, like maybe episode two forty through two fifty. We do like five per episode leading up to it, because I'll be honest with you, like our top ten or fifteen are a lot of the greatest hits. You know what I'm saying? Like Hush, Dark Knight Return. You know what I'm saying? I think those other stories in that fifty to twenty range, maybe a lot of stories that people haven't read. You know, does that make sense? Like, yeah, yeah. Because my top two, like yeah, I like Court of Owls, and I like that Snyder stuff's good. And everyone knows I really like Hush. But actually, the other ones might be more interesting for people to hear about, like Ego or Dark Knight, Dark City, or you know what I'm saying? Like the ones that people don't talk about much. All right. So our next comment comes from Bob. Uh, Bob apparently is also a villain, and he's related to Jim Moriarty, uh, the, the uh, you know. We don't need any of that around here. Yeah. What? Jim Moriarty. We don't need well, no Jim Sherlock. Moriarty people. <laughs> terrifying. Yeah, I'm, up, I'm, terrifying. I'm on to you, sir. I'm on to you, Bob. Dustin, I'm totally with you on making up your own superlatives. Oh my gosh! Why are you enabling him? Or the opposite. And I plan to use half to thaw chicken leg when I refer to something that my score is up on, but not, but only to the minimum of not disliked. That's a lie, Totis, which I believe is what you are trying to communicate. Our co-hosts might try to make you feel like a crazy person, but I understand. Winky emoji. Or winkly. Wink, <laughs> Our co-hosts might try to make you feel like a crazy person, but I understand. Winky smiley face. Nothing but love intended to all hosts. Winky smiley face. I admit I'm behind in general on my bat books, but now that we've got a couple arcs under the belt for most books and characters, I wanted to just weigh in that in general, I think there's a lot to like about the state of Gotham since Rebirth. We do have some quicker stories and payoffs, despite the talk about slow burn character building. I think it's important to be careful what you ask for in some cases. This time last year, we were epically slow burning through Jim Gordon's stint as the official Batman and basically sludging through a Batman and Robin Eternal that held very little payoff. I think a few quick hits, jump-starting characters in Detective, and introducing some interesting elements with the Gotham Twins and Batman allow us to gain some new material and people to work around while on a line-wide level, they're all likely gearing up to tell the Watchmen-related story. What I'm meanderingly <laughs> trying to say is, when there's too many words and not enough fists, we all tend to get antsy. And when it's a shock and awe campaign, we get flustered that Bruce and Selena aren't progressing psychologically. It's natural. I think there's an interesting balance across the line as far as a little of this, a little of that for different types of readers. I will say I've been a little let down in a greater Gotham sense. I was so into Batgirl Burnside and the Babs arc didn't catch me as well. And the Nightwing first arc is a far cry from how excellent Grayson was. Anyways, long time no check-in. Always appreciate your discussion. All right. So first of all, yes, I know my superlatives are awesome. We'll just leave it at that. Whatever. Um, they, are, they are definitely unique. 
I don't know if I would call them awesome, but unique. I'll call them awesome. Fair enough. We got a lot of comments about my my superlatives, so I'll I'll just keep doing them. Um, But anyway, um, (laughs) I mean, honestly, the the stuff that everybody wants to talk about is my love of monkeys and my half-to-thawed chicken wing, chicken legs. That's because you're so closed up. You don't reveal too much of yourself. So when it finally comes out, we have to latch on to what we can get. Okay, well, that's not necessarily a bad thing. That means I'm, I guess I'm, I'm giving a little bit out there. Anyway, <laughs> let's just let's just get into his comment. Um, I agree. Um, I think the slow burn stuff doesn't apply to everything, and I think you, I, I agree with the idea that there is a very wide variety of of, of different types of storytelling that's happening. Um, mostly with Detective and Batman, though, it's not really a slow burn. I mean, there there are hints at upcoming stories and future stories and things like that. But I think the slow burn stuff is really we're, we're this. And if I distinctly oh, remember, honey. the sl- slow burn that we were talking about was distinctly related to Mother Panic because it is really really slow burning, um, almost non burning, yeah, almost non burning, yeah, slow, almost like a ice cube. Oh no, um, but. I I didn't go there. I didn't go all the way. Um, But anyway, so the thing is, like, it's just, but we don't need a burning ice cube. You said, like, almost like it's not burning. I said, like, an ice cube. Uh, I thought you were doing one of those mixed metaphors again with ice and burning. No, no. Okay. Let's let's just keep it moving. So anyway, so the the idea is, yes, there are, there's a very wide variety of stuff that's happening. I agree, you know, like, for, to a degree, I actually think that the, the buy or buy, you know, the twice per month series like Detective and Batman. I think that there was a little bit of a like I, I wasn't a fan of the first Greater Gotham story um, or the the Gotham twin story in in uh, Batman, but I think that it, it's like one of those you you got to kind of like fix not necessarily fix but uh, like mold the idea of how you can tell stories like this because. I mean, like Tynion, to a degree, he 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 was doing, uh, you know, he was doing Eternal and Batman Robin Eternal, and even that had its fair share of issues, and that was weekly. But with with the biweekly, I feel like you know they have a little bit more room to kind of tell stories. Some of these stories, I don't know if they would have worked if they were as drawn out as six months. Um, you know, since there's, you know, they're taking up six issues. So in some ways it's, it's paid off in, in a good way. And then we have other stories like, for example, uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws. It's been really good. And I don't think anybody expected going into it, knowing that Scott Lobdell was going to be attached to the series, that it was going to be as good as it is. I've really been enjoying Teen Titans too. And I would say those two series were the two series I least look forward to pre-rebirth but now i enjoy both of those series um very much so i would say that like for a a vast majority like you said at the beginning of your comment you know the state of the batman universe since rebirth launched is way way better i mean the average ratings like we we actually did this back last year when the dcu started and we were making a big deal about how the vast majority of the books had gone up in ratings on site and things like that. But I actually did tally up uh, at the end of 2016, the average for the rebirth books. And on average, every single book is at least up uh, one and a half batarangs from the previous year. So in, well, I mean like the comparison book that is, but like, that's, that's a big significant increase. That's a 30% increase in quality of the book. So I'd say that's a pretty big step up. Yeah. 
I, I agree with everything there except the strange comments you were making about ice and other things. I don't know what that uh, was all about. We can go to the next one there. Is it like um, what's that type of ice that burns people? Dry ice. Oh, dry, dry ice. ice. Yeah. Is that what you're talking yeah. about? I, yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to use I, it to burn. I, I wonder if people think that like if Dustin had all these weird metaphors that I set around like light incense underneath the picture of Scott Snyder or something. Oh my gosh. Like, You're like Helga off of Hey Arnold. Thing. You open up a door and there's like there's like a head of Scott Snyder Snyder made of uh chewing gum and all of this stuff. Oh, oh wow. Awesome. That's so good. That was that was that was a good callback. That's a Thank really Nineties is my jam. Nineties Nickelodeon shows, absolutely. Well done. All right. So our next next comment comes from John, who was replying to Bob's comment. And again, he's she should not be. You're you should be ashamed of yourself, John. The backups of DK three are half dethawed chicken wings. You know, since they are smaller. But um, bumch. That was amazing. I have to say. Oh my gosh! T- take something original that I created and make uh-huh. it just a that tad I created. bit better. Yeah, oh my tad bit better. Okay. Anyway, next comment comes from Jessica. Hey guys, I've been listening to the podcast for a while and felt like I should leave a comment now that Dustin has invited us listeners to tell how we've come across the podcast. For me, it was back when I was going through a mild depression and the Batman comics had become my solace. I was living in another country for a short period, and the loneliness that always comes with being out of your environment had caught up with me. The friends that I had were by no means comic book readers, so I went looking for Batman-related podcasts. It was a way of, quote-unquote, talking about the subject with someone, even though I was not part of the interaction. I found the channel by searching for Nightwing on iTunes and finding the, oh, the Late Taking Flight podcast. And from there, I went to the website where I found the other podcasts, and here I am. Going all the way back to whether or not Batman has dipped into a Lazarus pit, in the resurrection of Ra's al Ghul storyline, he does fall into what Ra's believes to be, quote-unquote, the source, the prototype of the Lazarus pits. If memory doesn't fail me, this is one of the reasons used by Morrison for his craziness in R.I.P., besides the whole Thogol thing and the isolation chamber. About Dr. October, I hadn't realized she was transgender while reading the issue, but that might be due to me not being that familiar with LGBTQ vocabulary (laughs) in English, despite being part of the community. I am always for minority characters being portrayed as more than that, so I do like the way they only gave the smallest of clues about her being trans. Since I'm writing this comment after the release of Batman 15, I feel like I should comment on how amazing the callback to year one and Catwoman's first appearance with the different drawing styles and all. And boy, do I feel relieved that it wasn't her that committed mass murder. Great comments. Uh, the the year one, the callback, like we talked about during the review, it was really good. So um, It really was. I mean, it really was like they've done a little bit of the sense of rebirth, like mending. Like, I don't know if you guys are already writing Wonder Woman. Where they're taking the different origins and Wonder trying to Woman. at least make them work together a little bit. That was really cool. Sorry. It, it, it's it's nice when creators, writers, artists, whoever it may be, tries to like incorporate the history of the character. Yes, that I know. Wait for it. <gasps> the history. There we go. There you go. The history of the characters, because it, I mean, and, and I and I see this all the time, and you know, Stella likes to say you know the history word whenever I say it, but like the reality is. These characters have been around for a really long time, so it's nice when they, the creators that are currently on the on the title 
whatever it may be, or whatever characters are working with, they, they respect the fact that the characters had these extensive long histories that were clearly around way before they ever even were alive. So we don't have any creators that are over 75 years old still working on main titles. So I, I like the fact that they respect that and they kind of like do these little callbacks and stuff like that. It, it's really cool when they do that. And I appreciate it. And I wish in some ways it would be done more, but I mean, like I understand that it can't be, um, but it feels like at least with rebirth, there's a little bit more effort into trying to link back, you know, trying to fix this muddled continuity. That was the new 52. I feel like it will end up getting completely unmuddled by the time the Watchmen stuff ends up happening, whatever that may be. But I feel like there's like, they're doing a much better job of like recognizing the fact that these characters have extremely large legacies, long legacies that is to them. And there's no reason you should deny it with the new 52. It just felt like, well, we're just wiping the clean slate and you know, everybody can do whatever they want with these characters. And like, how many months do we hear about uh, Scott Snyder going on and on about how all those stories in Batman, they still happen but we're not talking about them and we're not referencing them and we're not going to recognize the fact that stuff did happen before what we're doing is happening and like stuff like that. And like, it's not his fault necessarily because that's just what they were doing line wide with all of the books. Um, the bat books were probably the least affected, but I mean, there was other titles like the Superman stuff and things like that were just completely uprooted and you're sitting there scratching your head. is like, what are they doing here? What about, these giant histories that the characters have. So I think Superman may have been the most damning though. I mean, think about the steps they had to go to, to get that back. Yeah. They had to basically bring back the old Superman. Superman had to bring us. Think about this. Batman. We have some jiggery stuff with some really weird timelines that we're trying to sell us out. Right. But in Superman, they had to kill Superman and bring in a Superman from another earth. Like, yeah, Superman got really, really, really messed up. Um, but on, on another note, I do find it interesting when people, um, per Dustin's begging or imploring, um, to post how they found the podcast. I do find those stories to be interesting for whatever reason. Yes, and we only did get really get two, so I, I of course, we'll take more. Implore everyone else to leave their right. uh, their comments as to how they came across the website and or or. If you can't remember just how long you've been listening, because you'd be surprised. We always find out we have new listeners like all the time, but listeners who've been listening for years and years and years, we don't necessarily hear from them because they've just been listening. So comment section is always open. And obviously we're reading all these comments. So leave your comments for the next episode. Now we do have one last comment from Ian prime who clearly was (gasps) looking for the, the title of most commenter, our MVP, MVP, yeah, the MVP of uh, comment section on our podcast. So Ian Bat Prime, signal. MVP of the bad signal. We call them super fans. There we go. Yeah, super fans. Uh, all right. Uh, so our last comment, Ian Prime, he says. Uh, forgot to mention that, though, Ed and other reviewers have thought that Jacob Kane's turn into villainy was a bit out of left field and not very satisfying. I can't really argue uh, that something is satisfying to someone else, obviously, winky smiley face. But I do think that Rucka intended to take Jacob and Kate's relationship in a darker direction than Blackman and Williams took it in the New 52. Somewhat amusingly, since New 52 was marked by cynicism and darkness in general. But this choice was a bit less dark than what I think is clearly Rucka's intent in the original pre-52 series. The unexplained betrayal of Kate by Jacob in the issue of Beth's survival is similar to Jacob's secrets with the colony. And I hope 
and I hope very much that Bennett addresses Beth's history as well as Kate's in the upcoming solo series. Furthermore, I would argue that Jacob isn't a pure villain. He's clearly gone too far in operating on American soil with a full-fledged lethal military strike, but he's never shown using his organization for selfish purposes, instead seeking to make the world a safer, better place. A place where, as he says in Detective Number 938, what happened to his own family never happens to another family. A goal Batman himself shares, though they disagree as to acceptable consequences and methods. And that's a good point. I mean, I'm not, and I don't think that Jacob mm. is necessarily a per, pure villain. Uh, he clearly is somebody who just took, he went and took things to a little bit too extreme than he probably should have. And yeah. I mean, yes. I mean, obviously, I yeah. mean, that's really what it is. But like, I think it just comes down to the idea that he can be redeemed. I think that's the biggest thing. The people weren't killed. I mean, Tim Drake died. But honestly, if Tim Drake came back, like what really happened? He didn't actually end up killing anybody then. Well, only because Tim stepped in and stopped him from killing like 150 people. That's true. That's true. And honestly, Tim I mean, wouldn't be supposedly dead if it wasn't for... Yeah, but if I mean, Tim comes I mean, back, Tim it, it kind does. of like it leaves the door wide open for redemption. Oh, of, of that, I agree with you 110%. I just hope no one forgets that if it wasn't for what Tim did, hundreds of people were going to die. All right. So that is all of our comments. As I've always said, and I will continue to always say, leave your comments on the website and we will get to those on the next episode. Just head to the website podcast individual post and you will see the area that says leave your reply. And then we will will talk about those on the next episode. As I mentioned earlier, Patreon is still out there and we are still accepting supporters, patrons or patrons. This is, uh, they put it on Patreon um, to support us. Uh, our, our goal is about $150 a month. That pays one for our entire server fees. If we actually had $150, that pays for our server fees. Um, it also allows us to do upgrades to the website and things like that, as well as potentially hire audio editors, video editors, and things like that to help produce additional content for you guys to listen to. Now, I know that there has been multiple comments over the past couple months, and not necessarily on the podcast, but when we did our survey on the website, there was multiple people who said, hey, wouldn't it be awesome if we had a comic cast that was weekly? And then as I would read these comments to both Ed and Stella, we'd all say... I'd love to listen to someone do it, yeah. Yeah, I would love to <laughs> see that happen where it wasn't necessarily have to be us doing this every single week. Not that we don't enjoy talking with each other, but a little it's a little excessive if we were doing this every single week. But the problem is that there's no way something like that could ever happen in, in, a, in a real world because we just don't have audio editors and video editors and people to volunteer their time. So if you can't support us financially, maybe you have some skills that you'd like to donate your time with. Uh, as I've said multiple times, we are always looking for audio and video editors. Um, there's some ideas that we want to do with video and YouTube to produce extra content that uh, we don't produce right now um, that we would love to do, but we just need video editors or audio editors or the funds to pay people to actually do that kind of work. So support us on Patreon, or of course you can leave uh, your uh, a single donation over on the website just by clicking on the PayPal donate button. Uh, in addition to that, be sure to head over to the website for all the latest news related to movies, TV, merchandise, video games, and of course the comics. Also be sure to check out all the reviews that we have on a weekly basis. There's a huge amount of writers that write reviews on a weekly basis for you guys to take a look at. And I know that they enjoy when people comment on their reviews 
if you're not reading the book, but you enjoyed the review or you're enjoying just reading the review and keeping up with what's going on, let them know, let them know that you're enjoying what they're doing because a little comment goes a long way. Just say that. All right. So in addition to that, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for all these news and videos from the Batman universe and join our Facebook group to chat with other Bat fans related to everything related to the Batman universe. In addition to that, leave us reviews on iTunes and as always leave your comments on the podcast post. That is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Ed. And this is Stella. And you've been listening to the Batman universe comic podcast. We'll see you guys in two weeks. (laughs) 